Your lips can do a whole lot more than kiss. Your lips express love and speak your truth. Plump your lips with Juvederm Volbella XE or Juvederm Ultra XE for natural-looking results that are completely and uniquely you. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XE or Juvederm Ultra XE. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. And welcome to the Men's Journal Everyday Warrior uh, podcast. I'm excited for this one. We've got Nikolai Coster-Waldo. Unfortunately, you know, to stereotype you, everyone knows you as Jamie Lannister. Um, except I got to tell you this story. So my wife is probably one of 100 people in the United States that didn't watch Game of Thrones. Maybe, well, then maybe you can add my wife to it. So there's two of them. <laughs> but she did know you. Uh, and, and, you know, I said the name, she's like, the name is so familiar. And so I pulled up the other woman and she, she sort of had this frown. She's like, Oh, that guy. Cause you played it so well. Uh, she's like men. So, um, funny story, but, uh, Nikolai, thanks for joining us. Um, want to get into your background because people rarely understand the environments and the backstories that shape the people we watch on, on TV or, or sports. Or, or significant business leaders, politicians. Um, let's dive into your life. I mean, uh, I read that you were born into a village of 40 people. Yeah, in a, in a good year. Yeah, it was kind of, there was a, <laughs> it was tiny. It was uh, it, in Denmark, a tiny farming community. Uh, one of those villages that is kind of built around a big farm. So the houses that were there were kind of for the farm workers. Um, and um we moved there when I was five. My parents divorced, so I was there with my mom, my two older sisters. Um, so yeah, we grew up there. Um, I, I, yeah, I always think of my childhood as good. I was, you know, had great friends, but but it was uh, it was you know, it's it's funny that thing. You, I'm sure you can relate to that. You get older, you always think that well, my childhood was just my childhood, but then compared to to others, you realize it was it was. Um, as always, it's, it's unique and special, but, but I, you know, I had a lot of time on my own. Um, there was no supervision. There was no, um, um, there were no adults interfering if, if you will. Um, my mom had to trust, had trust in, 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 in us as kids. She had to, she had to go to work. Um, um, and, um, and my dad was, um, as I said, they divorced and then later they remarried, which was uh, I, not a necessarily <laughs> a smart choice. My dad worked in, in, in Greenland at that time. There was an American Air Force base at the very top of Greenland, Tulip, and he worked there. And he would come back every three months for a month. And then, you know, it would be the first week would be great. He would still have money in his pocket. And then the next three weeks would be less great. And then he would take off. So it was kind of a. That was the routine. Um, and then they remarried and then they divorced again because obviously there was a reason they divorced the first time. It, it seems from doing the research, you've uh, 
been surrounded by women all your life. Uh, you've got two sisters. Uh, you, you now have your wife, two daughters. How's, how's that impacted you? Well, I mean, I, I think I've been very lucky. I mean, I, it's, it's a, it's a, yeah, I guess I, at one point when I was younger, there was a definitely a search for a father figure that I was, you know, obviously wanted to get from my dad. I didn't get that. So I got that from various coaches, you know, you know, looking for someone teachers, but I think it's, you know, I, I, it's a good thing to have a lot of, um, um, you know, the female perspective, um, in your life. Uh, and it also, I guess for a lot of guys, when you grow up, if you don't have that, it can kind of be, women are very intimidating if you, if you're not used to it, you know what I mean? Like that, that, that I did never have that kind of fear of, of women because they are different, you know, they are, you know, they, it's a, it's a whole different thing. And I, I kind of, I was exposed to all that, um, early on in a big way. So, so, um, I try to think of it as a, as a positive, um, but uh, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe you have to ask my wife about that. She's probably going to say, "What are you talking about? You don't understand." You understand yeah, yeah, exactly. She's like, "What are you?" Yeah. But I've always had very strong friend male friendships, and uh, and I think that um, I, I obviously have female friends as well. But my male friendships are really the one the ones that are the deepest, and I think maybe there's a reason for that that I, I needed that. You know, you've talked, and 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 I always hate to 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 dive into tough issues, but you know, publicly, you've talked about your father and, and his alcoholism. And when I think of, because we are all shaped by our environments, I, I don't think anything anyone will will, will doubt that. Uh, nature versus nurture. Uh, nurture has definitely something to to do with our our, our raising and, and and how we become. But shot caller is a perfect example of this. You were uh, a, a traditional family man thrust into an environment, and in order to, to survive that that environment, uh, you had to adapt to that environment. Um, what did you learn from your father's alcoholism? I mean, one when you were a child. I mean, that that had to be, be a different perspective. And how's that shaped you as a man? My dad was. Like alcoholism is just, it's a, it's a horrible thing because it's like a disease and it just infects everything. And it, it has consequences, not just for yourself, but also, of course, for your family and, and your surroundings. He w- So I, I, I guess I, the, the very basic answer is like, I always, for me, when I hear that, that uh, this guy became now, I mean, I guess there are two ways you can look at it. You can, you can go, well, it runs in the family. So the classic is, well, his dad was an alcoholic, so he became an alcoholic. So his kids are going to be alcoholic. And I was kind of the opposite. I was like, well, I'm never going to, I'm never going to be like that, that I don't want. Um, because it was, it was so, you know, it was something that was controlling him in a, such a negative way. And, uh, it ruined his life. I mean, he had, you know, that was always something that I never understood that, um, I can understand it like intellectually, I can look at it, but, but emotionally I never understood how can you have, like you have three kids and you just, you just, you, this is, it's more important for you to have a drink. Like that's that I just couldn't, you know, emotionally understand that. And then of course I can, I can understand intellectually as a grown up. I can see, okay, fair enough. You, you know, it's a disease. It just eats you up. It's an addiction. It's, it's bigger than you, unfortunately. But I, I guess uh, in some ways it shaped me in, 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 you know, not wanting to do that. Um, and it's also sometimes, I guess that's in a, in a positive way. Negative can also be that I've, I've, you know, sometimes been afraid of losing control, if you will. So everything has been very focused always. Uh, and there's a strength and a, and, and a positive in that, but it can also be negative because sometimes it's important to be able to just, you know, 
to be in the moment and and let you know not always want to know what's what happens around the next corner but allow it to happen uh, so i've worked with that but no but and then the funny thing and the thing about uh, and that that's something i thought about as a grown-up is that kids you love your parents it's almost unconditional i mean they they have i mean even when they really mess up there is still love there and um and that's I just I remember when my my father passed it's more than 20 years ago he was he was 58 and uh, it was just it was such it was so painful because I never got to know the guy and that was what you always want like in a way as a kid you always that's what you're looking you that's putting what you're kind of your whole childhood is just going leading you towards the points where you can finally go all right I am a man now. Let's hello. Who are you? Like you know, you know where you get to know your parents as, as a grown up. They shouldn't have remarried. It was a, it was kind of a out of necessity. I think my my mom was alone with with three kids and and he was away all the time. So anyway, but yeah, I think that sometimes it's um um you know I do believe like I'm, I've been married for twenty four years and <clears throat> I'm very happy with my wife. And of course, as, I don't know if you've been married, but like like. It, you know, any relationship has its ups and downs. And, and I do feel for us, uh, you know, it's uh, no, but I do feel like once we've gone through those tough patches, we kind of come out on the other side stronger. That doesn't always, that is not necessarily the case for everyone. And I know for my parents, it was definitely not the case. And then when they finally tore off the bandaid, it was, it was for the best. I've got to assume Game of Thrones took you away from your family for, for a long time. Uh, how, how did you deal with that with the family? I mean, what, what did you explain to the girls when you're going to be gone for what I'm assuming month? month well, actually, it wasn't the Game of Thrones wasn't was not bad. A lot of the other shows I've done in movies are much worse. I mean, Game of Thrones until the last two seasons, the most I worked a season would be 25 days, 30 days. So this was like the perfect job in terms of uh, family. And it was shooting in Europe. So. I could fly. It was a couple of hour flight. It was it was easy. It was nothing there, and they, and they also would would join me sometimes. So that was that was an easy one. It, I think the the hardest in my whole career has been the last few years with COVID because I, when I've been working, I was in Mexico last year before that was in Iceland, and that suddenly becomes five six months away because you can't break COVID protocol. That's been tough, right? But what about you? I mean, are you married? So uh, unfortunately, and you know this community that I come from well, there was a high divorce rate. Uh, we had like a ninety-five percent divorce rate because uh, we were gone so often, and we're not. That's I, I don't say that with yeah. any pride whatsoever. That is a horrible thing. And families were—I don't want to say families were destroyed, but families were broken uh, because of it. I mean, that was just the the speed of war for twenty years. To- what was the longest? What's the longest you've been away? Eight months. At a time, eight months. Oh wow! I, I'll tell you this: I my son was born in 2008. One month later, I had to uh, deploy to uh, Iraq for a seven month deployment. And when I got home, I tried to surprise the family, so I came around to the back sliding door. And my daughter was uh, she was four by this point, uh, but then this young toddler starts crawling around the uh, the side of the couch, man. I broke out in tears. Um, it was of course realization that like, I don't want to say I was failing as a father, but it was a realization that I'm not fulfilling the traditional fatherly roles if I'm gone that, that long. And so it was, it was a balance for us, man. Yeah. 
And and are you you still together, or did you then did it break up? I'm dead. No. Um, no. Who's who's interviewing who here? Uh, no, I'm joking. I'm kidding with you. Well, it's a it's a conversation. I know, I know. <laughs> um, no, uh, two two amazing kids uh, out of that marriage um, who I'm I'm extremely proud of. Uh, I I am remarried, and, and I'll tell you that uh, very strong willed woman. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you, regardless of my background, she she runs at home, and it's a partnership. But um, I've learned a lot. I've taken some time to reflect on my first marriage uh, to make sure that um, one, I knew I was sure when I married her, but uh, we will eventually probably have kids, but making sure that. uh, How did, how did, so one thing I always wondered when I, because I've been, you know, when I've spoken to, to um, um, soldiers and people who deployed like you, and when you, when you do what you did um, when you were active, the fact that it's very difficult to, because when I when I go away, if I want to talk about with my wife about whatever happened at work, I'll I'll talk to her about it, and it's easy to share. And you know that's, but you couldn't do that. Are you? That's a different kind of thing. And how do you deal with that? Because obviously that instantly that is a, that must be. I just always found that that must be the one thing that's tricky in a, in a relationship where you want to be as close as you possibly can emotionally. But at the same time, there's something that is just very, very difficult. It, it, I didn't want to expose them to that. Um, we, I've always told my kids, you know, they had uh, some sort of idea of what I did, but I'd always say that like I was a supply officer, that I got the resources for the guys that go outside the, uh, the wire, even though that wasn't true. But uh, mm-hmm. there was a, a high degree of compartmentalization. Um, that, that sure. my, my problem to deal with the horrors we saw, the guys we left behind, the things we had to do, because, you know, and again, Nikolai, you, you saw this, uh, stuttering, studying for the role to play Gary Gordon, but, um, in order to sure. send people, evil people away, sometimes you have to go to hell, hell, hell yourself. It's there, there's nothing beautiful about war whatsoever. And I, you know, we follow the rules. No, and it's funny. It, it's an interesting thing because I remember um, I was talking to another of your colleagues, and, and he was just saying, "God, I, you know, I wish more politicians had had, had seen what we've seen because then they would work much harder to avoid war because that it should always be the last resort. That should always nobody wants that. When when diplomacy fails, it is a failure uh, of humanity. I'll put it to you that way. I will. I'll say this. My father served in the army. He didn't go to Vietnam, but it was during the Vietnam era. And it destroyed him because I came home wounded on my second deployment pretty badly. And I'd lost uh, a very good friend, literally jumped on a grenade three feet from me. He he was posthumously awarded the uh, the Medal of Honor, but he saved my life. And it destroyed him because that was my second deployment. I went on nine more deployments after that and it destroyed him. I will be eternally grateful if my son chooses a different path and never goes into the military, I'll be inwardly proud of him, but I don't want to feel what a father and a mother felt uh, for seven months while their child, uh, whether that child's 23 year old, 23, 23 year old or, or 30 year old. Um, I, I don't want to ever feel that. Um, yeah. It's, it's interesting, man. But so, I mean, your first major role in the U S was Black Hawk down. Yes. No, it was an amazing experience. Also, because I, I learned so much. I remember we, we I, 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 you know, I, I just did a, you know, I did a tape at home with a buddy and then we sent it off and Ridley Scott liked it. And then suddenly I get this call that I'm on my way to Fort Bragg and, um, and, and, and boot camp. And it was the most fun. It was so cool. It was just the three of us. There was me, Eric Banner, William Fickner, um, 
And then they were 12 instructors. And they, the first day, they were like, okay, we discussed what to do with you Hollywood guys. Um, and we felt, you know, we were either going to just, you know, beat you up for a week uh, or we were going to have fun. So we decided to have fun and we had so much fun. And what was interesting was that we both, both these two groups, there's these three actors and these, this group of, 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 of instructors, soldiers from, from the special forces, they, we all had these preconceived opinions about the others. They were like, oh, we're going to have these soft, you know, you know, you know, you know, actors from Hollywood and they, they don't know anything about real life. And, and we were like, Oh, we're going to meet these, this bunch of Rambos that all, you know, all these preconceived opinions. And well, of course, what we found out was that it was the opposite. Um, first of all, that you don't get to be, work for the special forces, uh, without having, you being really smart and really thoughtful and, and, you know, you're there for the right reasons and you, and, and you've worked really, really hard and you're very talented. And then, you know, it, it and there's no room for someone who is like a, like if not, when I say Rambo, you know what I yeah. mean? Like that kind of, uh, you know, that kind of mentality, there's just no, you, you have to be able to, to, uh, you have to be smart. Um, and, 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 and they saw us as, as, as uh, we, we just connected. It was a really, really nice thing. And there were some, some amazing people there. And, um, and it just, it just taught me something about, um, and, and it keeps, I think in my life, I always, I'm constantly reminded of that also when I've been traveling and whenever I go anywhere, don't ever jump to conclusions and, and don't ever, you know, assume, you know, people or any, whatever it is, like at the, at the core, I would say 99.9% of, of people I meet are really decent, good yeah. people and always interesting, you know, you know what I mean? They're always going to be someone where you go, oh, what a dick, but that doesn't, it's really the outliers. Um, and of course, in any, in any job function where you meet someone who's at the top of their game, usually they're really interesting because they've, they've, uh, they've had to, there's a reason they're, they are where, where they are. It, dude, you've just said so many things that I, I want to dissect. Uh, you know, I said it earlier, uh, Hollywood is the greatest recruiting tool for any military. I mean, it's always been the propaganda machine and, and I'm not saying that in a bad way. What set you guys apart, why I loved Black Hawk Down, in particular, the characters you guys played, Delta Force. I mean, in, in the movie, the Rangers, you know, have that youthful uh, you know, ignorance and, and the Rangers are like that. But the, the 75th Ranger Regiment is awesome. But you guys nailed this role so well when, again, while Hollywood may be a great recruiting tool, it does not always cast uh, our profession in a great light. Again, the Rambos. When I talked about the most lethal warriors I knew at SEAL Team 6 and Delta is they were some of the kindest, most respectful, empathetic human beings that would never tell you how many kills they got, how many medals they have, or how many deployments they had. And you guys really portrayed these mature, well, let's, let's call it operators, um, that anyone would be like, yeah, we're proud that they represent any nation that, that they represent. But um, what, I mean, did you get to talk? To anyone that knew, but it was just uh, was, you know we had we when we were at Fort Bragg we also had obviously we had Levan Arsdale who was like you know he was our main instructor he was also the the, the colonel he was at you know he was there at the time he was leading them um, but we also met uh, uh, we had coffee and and dinner with some of the guys who um, 
we're no longer world with, with Delta, but we're still living around Fort Bragg. And we just, it was just the nicest guys. And then they would never, as you say, they would never say anything. But then one of them had, you know, he was kind of the guy who Eric Vanna's character was kind of modeled on. And, uh, and he was like, just a, what he did that, you know, those 18 hours was just so heroic and so insane like he just saved so many people and he said something which i thought was interesting he said well the only thing i remember was that i didn't hear a sound like he was in the craziest gun battle and it was like complete it was just something about the way he described it because his focus was so intense that he was not he wasn't that whole thing that ability to not let let everything the madness affect you but still stay focused i just i thought i mean the way he described it was just really interesting and again as you said the nicest calmest guy i would never and that was the only guys i met i would never if i didn't know had picked them out as 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 some of the you know as you said the most lethal soldiers in the world or the most accomplished i would never in a million years because that's not as you said that's not usually how hollywood portrays uh those guys usually they're like like who come yeah. on kill yeah go all that stuff it, it, it's funny you said that thing about recruitment tool i i was just reading about like it was just that the new top gun that came out back in the day when the first top gun came out the air force had the biggest you know spike ever and i bet you it's happening right now yeah yeah <laughs> I mean, uh, again, anyway. the aviation community is, is definitely uh getting yes uh, let me ask this man were they shocked when they found out you were danish uh yeah I, I mean i didn't tell anyone i mean i um i didn't uh i i don't I, unless they asked i didn't i didn't mention it uh because i thought why 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 ruin the uh, <laughs> why ruin the illusion i had one uh, uh kind of interesting you know in at fort bragg there's the special forces museum and i went there with uh, i went there on my own and um and there's a wall uh, of yellow stars at the end of the museum when you come through the whole thing and at that time, the last two uh, golden stars were uh, Randy Shukart and Gary Gordon. Uh, and then this guy came up to me and he was like, then next to me, he was like, oh, so you're, you're one of them Hollywood guys? And I said, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm an actor. Huh, who you play? I say, well, I'm, I'm, I'm on, I'm going to, I'm portraying Gary Gordon. You don't look like Gary. No, I, no, I don't. I know, I know, I'm, I don't. Those are big shoes to fill. Yeah, well, sir, I, I will. I will do my very best. I will, you know. And it was it was clearly someone who knew him. And, and but he it was just it was very moving to me because suddenly it just it just hit home. You know that thing where this I this is like before we we went out to Morocco where we shot. But up until then, it had been so much. I had had so much fun training for this, and it was another part. And I was like, there was something about it which. You know, I was so excited, you know, Ridley Scott and all these things. Um, but when I spoke to this guy, I was it was suddenly just it, it was standing in front of that wall. It became so um, it was just a very uh, sombering moment where I went like, OK, I, I have to I have to get do my I have to do my very best. And also when we came out and I, I, I spoke to Ridley and I I, uh, I told him the same thing. I said, listen, I mean, I know there are four. <laughs> there's so many stories in this this is really a story about this war battle more than it is about the characters. But I said, if there's anything 
you know, we can do, I want to, you know, show our respect to these, these men who, uh, who gave their lives. And he then, if you remember the very last shot in the movie is this beautiful shot of the, you know, the cargo plane and you see the caskets and then you hear, uh, it's actually uh, Gary's words, the letter that was, that was in his, uh, and that, that left behind that that you guys, I guess, oh, you all have to write a letter in case something bad happens. Um, so that I was very, I was, I was, it meant a lot to me, and I was very proud that they that he that he put that in there because, yeah, you know, it is a movie, it is entertainment, but this specific movie was also it, it, it was a real event, and and people lost their lives. And uh, Nikolai, let me put it to you this way, man: from all of us in the U.S. military. Thank you for what you guys did because you memorialized those men and you kept their legacies alive and their legacies will live on because of that movie. I, you know, I just went with a buddy uh, to Iceland where we skydived in, uh, into several locations oh. trying to, uh, oh, wow. to, to uphold the legacy. It's called legacy expeditions to keep the legacy of our fallen alive. Uh, and it's, it's tougher than you think. And, oh. and you got to see firsthand the type of men yeah. that these, these people were men and women, both men and women. Let me say that in the military that, that yeah, are so yeah, selfless for something they believe in. So you guys, you guys absolutely crushed it. And, and that movie for will forever be always a, a go-to for a lot of military uh, members. But naturally, you know, everyone listening, listening to this wants to go to, uh, to Game of Thrones, dude. Walk me, uh, walk me into how that even came to, to fruition. I mean, were you approached? Did you hear they were producing something? How, how did that, how did you land that role first off? No, I was, uh, it was, uh, <laughs> I was in, in Los Angeles. I was testing for this movie that I was really excited about called John Carter on Mars. Um, that, you know, I, I thought, you know, I thought I was going to get, I was going to nail this thing and I was going to get it and it was going to be the biggest movie of all time. That's what I thought. I didn't get the part, but on the same trip, I met with my agent and said, there's this HBO pilot, which pilot is the first episode of a show, a test. They do a test before they decide whether they want to finance it. So, um, and I said, okay, but my focus was all about this thing, but it was HBO. So I thought, what's it about? And he said something about it based on this, this series of books called the song of, of ice and fire. It's like a fantasy. And I was like, I'm not sure. I mean, fantasy is that really, but I met the, I met with, with the guys and I was like, they were really cool. Like, I, you know, that thing when you meet someone where you go, Oh, I want to, I want to play with these guys. Like Dan, Dan Weiss, David Benioff, but just smart and fun and and i you know i was like wow this is in then i read the, and i read the pile and i thought okay this character is fascinating he's this beginning of a, of a story arc is so interesting because it's so dark and he's <laughs> it doesn't get worse than that he's you know sleeping with his sister he's trying to kill his uh, this kid and you know this is this is weird and then I, they told me what was going to happen for the first three seasons and then um yeah then 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 i was offered the part and 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 uh, and we shot the pilot and and i think when we shot it we all thought this was going to be this was was just going to be a pilot because they were so weird and so many stories so complicated to follow um, so everything about Game of Thrones was kind of an, uh, you know, what no one saw it coming that it was going to be such a, a massive thing. And, and, and I wasn't actively looking for it. It just kind of suddenly appeared. I know one, you were up for, you know, the Emmy award nomination for outstanding supporting actor, but, uh, certain, uh, film, uh, I don't know, critics said you played one of the best anti-heroes 
in film history. And in a lot of ways, Jamie Lannister became the main character that people followed. I, I mean, he was so complex. Um, what did you learn yeah. from that role? Because I, I, I know the, the amputation of his hand sort of transformed that character as well. How, how did you deal with yeah, that? Yeah, absolutely. No, I just thought, I, you, you know, it's funny. It goes back to you try to understand where does this guy come from? And, 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 and you talk about a complicated relationship with his dad. He didn't have a mother, and it all began there. Of course, then the sister relation, that that whole family relationship, how messed up that was. And then uh, at the core, he's a, the way I see him, uh, a very uh, he, he's a soldier, and he's a he's a, he's a, he's, a, he's a very honorable. Uh, uh, the way I saw him, and the way I, I always, you know, I, that didn't waver. I didn't change over the course of the story. I know he had a big arc in terms of, of, of the circumstances of his life changed, but the very core of him was always, um, I will do anything to protect the people I love and what I believe in. And he did that. And, and that made me, and that meant, uh, you know, uh, even doing horrible things like, you know, who wants him? How can you, you cannot. And, and I don't think he would ever, um, now, I talk about him as if he's a real person. Of course, he's not. But I don't think Jamie Lannister would ever try to excuse uh, pushing a kid out the window. But he would also he would probably do it again if he had to. And and I could I could understand. And I think that that was interesting. That brings you know. up a good question. As a father, man, would you? I, and I know my answer, man. I'm not trying to walk you. No, bro, but let, I, there are things I would do. To uh, no, no, no. But let, the, the fact is this. At the end of the day, I think, it, as you say, once you have kids, you will do anything. I mean, like it, it's if you had to choose between saving your kids or someone that you've never met before, it you know you're gonna pick your own kids. You might have to kill yourself if you couldn't live with what you did. Yeah. But but you would still pick your kids. That that's just. I mean, the way I see, it. I, I I don't see how there could be any other choice. You know, you you know, we we've talked about earlier. You hate when people make uh you know assumptions based off of uh uh you know gossip and and, and other things. But sure, uh, let, let me frame it this way: you've got to be wildly proud of playing Jamie Lannister on one of the greatest series in film history. But does it get to a point where you have to redefine yourself? I mean, has as a stereotype been placed on you because of that no uh, well, i don't i i know i don't i mean listen it's always going to be there because as you say it, it was the it, it you know it was the biggest show in the world so that so obviously most people will know me from from that show um but that's that's okay i mean the, the funny thing is the first thing i ever did as an actor back in denmark was a movie that became very very successful so for years i was known as that guy it's just the way it is. I mean, there's, if you start, you know, yeah, that it's just the way it is. And the thing is, I, I am, I'm, you know, there's been, this is also, um, a lot of people have then seen other shows I've done because of Game of Thrones. They, oh, oh we're going to check that out. Let's check out Shot Caller. That's the guy, Jamie Lannis. Let's just see what that is. And I've had so much great feedback from that or, or when, any of the other movies I've done. So, um, I don't, you know, it's not a, I'm not, you know, as you, I mean, I haven't done 10 other nights because I don't think I should. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm looking for, I'm not looking for that, but uh, no, it's a, it's a, it's a, 
it's fine. You know, I don't mind that, you know, yes, people will sometimes go, Hey, Jamie Lannister or Kingslayer. That's, that's absolutely fine. It's uh, as long as they don't throw tomatoes or, you know, what? it's, it's a good, it's a good problem. I, I, it's a great problem to have. I, I got to tell you this when uh, on deployment, we looked forward to those releases. It was almost painful that they only released one a week when, when they came out and <laughs> we, we were addicted to that uh, series, but you brought up a role, which I, I've got to say is my personal favorite because it's just so, uh, I mean, the initial part of the role of shot caller is, is, is maybe more similar to who you are as a, as an individual, a father, a family man, and then this guy transforms yep. in a let's just like uh, I, I would rather go back to war yeah. ten times than end up in a penitentiary. Oh my god! I I talk about you know you know I learned I learned a lot from that movie. It was really because um, I, I again I, I'd seen I'd seen movies I'd heard stories about the uh, uh, the prison system, especially in in in, in the U.S. But. When I did the research and found out, and Rick Wall, who's who's a great director who really goes deep in his in his research, um, he took me on these trips, and I met these guys, and and it's uh, it's 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 scary how uh, how real the story of shot. Of course, it's a movie, and you know it, it it's it's you know it get you know it's it's it, you know. But everything that happened, I met guys who'd been through that whole journey. Uh, and it's just, it, it was heartbreaking. And it's also, um, it's, it's just a very scary thing because, because you go, how could that possibly happen in this day and age? How can, you know, how you don't just throw young men into, into these shark tanks, but, but we do. And it's, uh, uh, it's funny. I've, I've met, I've met a lot of people who love the, especially here, the, the people come through. Yeah. I'm never going to have a drink when I drive again. This is like, you know, it's a, it's a scary thing. Cause that's, that's what happens for the guy. He, you know, has a drink too many, he gets behind the wheel of a car and a horrible accident happens and, and he has to go away. And then, and, and the reality of, 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 of going to prison is, is it's, it's not a fun place. It shouldn't be a fun place, but it, it, um, there are things in the system that is so, I mean, I, I didn't even know, I didn't know like, oh, like all the gangs, I had no idea that the gang system was created inside and it's still run from the in, inside of prisons. It just seems so it's crazy. But anyway, yeah, it's, it was a, it was a, it was a, it was a very interesting shoot um, with a great director. By, by the way, talk about um, Rick wall, the director. He did a, just me. I don't know if you've seen it. He did a documentary about uh, a veteran, uh, which is, absolutely and it's so good um and uh i just want to find the name because i want to i want to if anyone's interested because you just said you you did work for, for to remember you know veterans and and and, and uh, this movie is just one of the mo most it's so moving uh, and it's so powerful um, and I just want to, I want to just throw it out there so people can check it out. So for shot caller, you had to put on 20 pounds. And I remember there was a men's journal article about that yeah. was, it was interesting. And, uh, you fed yourself to the point where, uh, maybe you didn't know if this was all that healthy or not. No, I, it's, it, I had to put on a lot of, a, a lot of muscle and, uh, I was, I was just working out like a beast, but then of course, you know, you have to eat so much, um, and I, yeah, and uh, yeah, I was, uh, <laughs> there was a lot of animals killed <laughs> so I could grow. <laughs> did, did you uh, work the weight off afterwards? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, that, I mean I, it's funny. I found that 
uh, obviously when you get older, it, it takes a little longer. Uh, I, I've putting on muscle. I mean, I love the way that, you know, I, I'm joking with friends that sometimes if you go and you work out and they were like, they don't want to do certain, you know, they go, no, I don't want to get too big. And you go, listen, you're not going to get too big. It's going to, it takes so long for you to get big. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I could get rid of it fairly easy, but, but putting on the muscle is just, it's just, a, it takes a lot of time. Did I lose you again? Mike? No, 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 I'm here. You froze. Um, so, uh, you know, Nikolai, we end this on, uh, sort of a note of, vulner- of vulnerability. I- I'm big about vulnerability. I think it's one of the most masculine human traits you can ever have. So we ask a series of questions. Um, and we don't like to play stump okay. jump, but take as much time as you need. What is the uh, probably the hardest decision you've ever had to make in in your life? It's an interesting thing. It's like it, the hardest decisions are for me usually just hard before you before you finally take them when they do them, and then when you when you've done it, it's like oh yeah, well that's done now. Um, I think it's 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 um, I've had very you know I find it difficult to. Uh, if I have to let people go, um, you know, I think most people have that, but when you have to kind of move on from someone, uh, and you know that it, and I'm not talking about a romantic relationship, but it could be a work relationship, friend. Those moments have been very, very tough, very hard. Um, um, but, uh, I've never regretted any of those times, but, but those are the most difficult ones. What, what are those maybe two to three sort of non-negotiables, those tenants, you, you live by that have in most times led to success for you, you know, discipline, uh, integrity. What, what, what do you preach to your, your daughters? Well, it's, it's, it's the basics, right? Honesty, uh, states, just be honest. Uh, uh, um, and then, uh, perseverance grit. Um, I think that is the most valuable thing for anyone is like, you have to stick at it. I mean, what if, if you have something that you want to achieve, don't put a time limit on it because that that you you, you can't. But you just have to s- s- stay with it, stay the course. Um, so honesty, and then be kind. Just be 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 kind to people. That I I think those are invaluable. Were, were there ever times during your your film your acting career where things just weren't happening rap, rapid enough? And in, in your the thing is, if you if if you if you have something, spe- I mean, like what I do, I'm an actor. I love you know, diving into personality, exploring the human psyche and, and all these things. I'm not in it because I want to be the most famous guy in the world. Cause if that was the goal, I would have been, you know, I would have, that's that, how can that be a goal? It, it doesn't interest me. Um, but sometimes, you know, when you're younger, you, things are not, you know, when you start your career, you know, you're not getting the offers you want, but, but I've always, I've never had doubt that I would find my way because I, I believed it in, in my heart. And then, and, and, you know, so I guess I, to be honest, the one thing I got from my dad, because even when he was, he was such, he messed up his life, but there was one thing he, he always preached. And that was like, you, you, you know, you have to work hard, um, and, and show up. And, and it's very, you know, it's not, it's like, it's like when you work out, it's like, if you, you know, that thing about you want to get in shape. Yeah. It's just, it's not that hard. It's not that complicated. You know, just show up, you know, be in, go to the gym or if you want to lose weight, you just eat less. <laughs> I, know, I know it sounds like, and I don't mean, listen, I know there are a lot of 
people with medical issues. I'm not trying to point a finger at anyone, but but sometimes you know we we overcomplicate things uh, that really aren't. I, I think in the latter part of my military career, I had very little uh, doubt. But now that I've gotten out and I've retired, and in in a lot of sense, you know, similar to Tyler Gray's story, we're redefining ourselves. I've I've had a lot more doubt this that you know since I'm 40 and I'm only 44 now. But um, of hey, even even this for Men's Journal, do I suck at interviewing people? Because this was not a, a a skill I've had, and having to learn this as quickly as possible has been uh, it's been a shot to the ego a little bit. But that's that is good. That is, I think that is really good because I, you know, I doubt God, God knows I've also had doubt, but I, I've never doubted that I was on the right trajectory and I was on the right course and all that. But I, I doubt myself all the time. And I think that's, I think it's important to acknowledge and then to, to, to be able to, to kind of, uh, uh, to, to, to force yourself to open up your mind to, to new things. Um, and, uh, and I said, as I said earlier, I have, I definitely have had, uh, issues of, of wanting to be able to control everything. And that's, that is not good because then you miss out on, 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 on good things. Uh, but doubt. Yeah. And I guess, and, and I definitely recognize that thing you say, getting older. Yeah. You, you re- but also once you know more, you realize there's more to be to to be learned. If if that makes sense, it, it makes you know you know what I mean. Like, like the more the more you know, the more you, uh, there is to know. I mean, you know, and uh, and uh, I always find it. You know, there's nothing. What what is so strange? Like most people I know, and everyone I meet, when you meet and talk, we when you connect with someone, you also realize that shit, there, there's so many ways to see look at a situation. And there's not a right or a wrong way. You know, we just come at it from different angles and this different perspective. And that's really interesting. And we should, we should treasure that. And then suddenly you, 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 you turn on the news, you read, uh, you, you get the impression that, 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 oh, no, no, people are in two tribes. And this is like, and, and it's just not real. It's not a real, that is not how, how we live as human beings. It's just not real. And it just, it just blows my mind why we allow the narrative of, of, division to rule our world. It's a completely different story, but I, it just, it does, it does drive me crazy. Uh, before we end, I do want to talk about your passion project. And I'm actually excited uh, about this one. Radio man. Let's, let's hear this. Why you got involved with this? Why you're excited? Well, I, I, I've been working with my, like my, my closest friend, Joe Derrick for years. He's a writer. We write together. We did a movie that you should check out called against the ice on, on Netflix, which we shot in Iceland and Greenland, which is about this explorer. Amazing. I'm really proud of that movie. And then we, we heard, heard about this, this real story about a, a killer in a small town in Eastern uh, Eastern Europe. And we, we then got the core of that story. We, that was inspiring because it was basically about a guy who created his own, like a journalist who created his own crime story. Um, and we put that into the North of England and, and we created this podcast that, that is on audible called radio man. And, um, and Joe wrote it. I starred in it with, the uh, with a guy uh, with David Morrissey. You might've seen him in, um, uh, walking dead and it's just it, it it it's a it's a and then we were very lucky because because you know i didn't i didn't know podcast actually before uh 
COVID. I wasn't really listening to podcasts. And suddenly I found myself having a lot of time, you know, and I was starting to listen to podcasts. And it just, you know, now when I work out or in my car, I always have something on because it's just a, it's just a great way to, to you know, to, to hear stories. And one of the, 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 the stories I heard was a thing called the, uh, the Greenfield Tower, which uh, it was, was created by this guy. The sound was created by this guy called Ben Brick. Um, and we, we got hold of him for our show. And what he does is he creates this audio world. It's like a mix of, of a movie and a book. It's just, it's so vivid. Um, and yeah, I can talk about this a long time, but Radio Man, it's unaudible. I am insanely proud of it. And uh, if you're listening for a true crime podcast, that's the one. Last question. How is Nikolai going to evaluate whether he's lived a life uh, of impact? What is most important to you, man? The legacy you're going to leave behind? Oh, I mean, I think the, the legacy, I don't know. I mean, I think that that's, you know, as you know, your kids will live on and then, and, you know, hopefully they'll be, you know, they'll have some kids. And I think that's, I'm looking forward to that. I think for me, the big issues, if you talk about apart from the career and all that, there's a, and my family then, uh, I've, I've spent a lot of time working with the United Nations Development Program. And there are some, you know, we, and I'm gonna, we're starting production on a documentary, which is called Earthrise, which is about, you know, these challenges we all face globally, which is like, obviously, the biggest one is the climate change, which is real, which is happening, which is going to affect all of us. And it's, it's what we're trying to, what I want to do is to, to, to um, tell the story of, uh, of hope. Uh, tell a story of, of that is solution based because there are actually incredible solution, incredibly smart people out there that have come up with solutions to some of these issues and um, even and also that we can scale. So I'm, we're going to tell the story about that. And I think that's not my legacy, but that's what I hope will be our legacy, all of us, that we uh, we were able um, to to uh, correct to course correct that's what i really hope that when we when we you and i sit back in 30 years time and we are old men that we won't be looking at a world that is falling apart but we'll be going thank god we we stepped up we uh we uh, we 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 as a species weren't as, as stupid as we as we thought we were for a second. Well, if we don't leave the place better than we found it, then we failed across the board. So I could not agree uh, agree more. Hey, Nikolai Kosterwaldo, thank you for joining me. I've learned from this. Um, I wish you and your family nothing but blessings, and hopefully one day. I can shake your hand in person. I hope that I hope Mike, I hope we can meet. I would love to continue this conversation. It's a, it's been a real pleasure. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the men's journal, everyday warrior podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the show and pick up a new issue of men's journal magazine. Men's journal magazine has features on health and fitness, adventure and travel style. And my favorite, the coolest gear hitting the market today until next time. I'm Mike Sorelli. And thanks for listening.